Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. All right. Hello. My friend Karen Welrand is going to be on, and we're going to be talking about Think for Yourself and why it's so important. And we do talk about politics in here. We don't talk about who to vote for. It was so funny because prior to doing the interview, We just both said, no, we don't want to talk about anything that's going to happen in the political landscape. So one thing I do want to note is that while we may both be liberals, both Karen and I, we aren't saying that being um, a conservative is bad because it's about you doing you and having your own filters. And we have some really good examples um, about people and their values and having, you know, we both have good friends who have different political beliefs or may have different beliefs. So we're not telling anybody one thing or another. And I just want to address that before we go into this conversation, because again, this is about thinking for yourself and taking things in through your own filter instead of what we say is the law or the rule or the way it is. All right. So enjoy this conversation with my friend, Karen, and I'll circle back afterwards. Thanks so much for listening. Karen, hello and welcome back. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Hello, my sister. It's always good to talk with you. And we're going to talk about thinking for yourself. Mm, I know. That's something, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially in this day and age where I think we're just so programmed to, you know, know brand names, know this. And it's like, well, this is just what I do because this is what everybody else does. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think um, one of the things that I think is really interesting is, sometimes we're so afraid to think for ourselves for fear that we're going to be branded based on the stereotypes that people will associate with your idea. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like like nowadays that it is more and more difficult to be a multi-layered person, you know, to have, um, to have all these different levels of thought and thinking um, because society says if you believe one you can't believe the other you know if that makes sense does that make sense it does make sense can you give a like an example well um you know for example i think there's this idea sort of of if you're liberal you believe one thing and if you're conservative you believe another thing and i certainly know for example people who are very liberal in one area of their lives and very conservative in other areas of life. And they sort of defy um, categorization. And I think that is actually more the norm than the idea that if you're a liberal, you think of this whole list of things. And if you're a conservative, you think of this whole list of things and never the twain shall meet. I think that is so accurate. We're not black and white. We're We have many... Uh, layers and we're complicated creatures. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, right now, of course, we're in the middle of a political season, right? So things are sort of amplified. But I think this is true in all areas of life, that um, we are less and less willing to give each other, to get to know each other, right? Like we see 
one thing said or we look a certain way and we all of a sudden assume all these other things. Like, for example, one of the things that I think um, is really interesting for me is sort of the idea that if you are a person who says Black Lives Matter, then you clearly hate police officers, mm. which to me is so ridiculous. Like, <laughs> you know, it's so obvious. Of course, you can honor the hard work that police officers do and realize that what they do is very dangerous and they're putting themselves in harm's way almost every single day that they go to work and still say that all great people of all races need to be treated with dignity and respect. And lately we're not seeing that in the black community, right? That we're not seeing that black people are given the same dignity and respect that white people are. And I, I you know, this sort of idea that if you say, well, my dad's a cop and I realize what a hard um, job they have, it necessarily means you're, oh, well, you're clearly racist, right? Because that's what some people will do. Or if you say, you know what, the black community has faced a lot of discrimination and people need to remember that black lives matter means suddenly that you hate all law enforcement. Like, like, but that's kind of what people do, right? Mm -hmm. And I find that, um, I find that really um, disturbing because I think that sort of idea um, for me personally, I mean, that's one example. Another example would be that I am a, uh, I am a practicing Christian, right? I go to church on Sundays. I'm, I'm active in my church, but I'm also passionate about LGBT rights. And the sort of the idea that if you're a Christian, you have to be so conservative that you can't see, you know, that there's a group of people that are being discriminated against and they deserve the same rights as people who are not being discriminated against is kind of, um, it's kind of frightening or that if you're a Christian, you therefore hate Muslims or, you, you know, or Muslims, mm -hmm. you very like that whole idea. Or if you're a Muslim, then, oh, my gosh, you must be a terrorist or, you know, these these sort of or sympathize with terrorism. And this whole idea that you can't be multifaceted and be proud of all these different facets of your life is becoming more and more um, alarming, frankly, to me. That's the word I'm looking for. It's really alarming. Why do you think we can't be? out there with all these different areas of our life or people think that they can't? Um, oh, I think there's all kinds of, I think there's all kinds of reasons. I think, um, I think honestly sort of mainstream media is to blame because uh, I think nowadays, particularly in the news, um, they're, they have lost sight of necessarily reporting dispassionately on the facts and instead report whatever will get the most eyeballs on, on their stories because of advertising. Um, like, you know, and I think that's true of, of, you know, all of them, CNN, Fox, whatever, you know, all of them. I think that that's what they're motivated by, right? Because they're businesses. So I think there's part of it that they kind of report these sensational stories because they know people will be all up in that. And I think part of it is also because a lot of us are on social media and we can kind of hide behind our keyboards and we can say loud and scream and not without really regard for the consequences, right? Because you're not actually looking at people in their faces. Um, and I think that amplifies it as well. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm really, as you can tell, I've got some passion around this. I'm really, really alarmed that we are unable to kind of, you know, we're, we're not as curious about people as we used to be. We're not... We're not curious about learning about each other in a way that I think um, is much more healing than the sort of quick assumption that we make. 
And I'm, I'm thinking about that and I'm, I'm pondering over here because what it comes to mind is, you know, this desire for connection, this willingness right. to be vulnerable. Right. And then also when you own just your beliefs, right. right? And they can be, you know, um, because sometimes people fear of reprimand of, oh, I'm a Christian, but I support the LGBT community. Right. Right. And some people may say, I can't, I can't share that. Like I support it, but you know, I don't want whatever ramifications will may come about. I mean, it'll be, you know, really people criticizing. I mean, at least where I, I'm pretty fortunate where I live is uh, because I can be liberal and be myself and, um, you know, and feel rather safe. Right. Right. And I realize that's not the case in all parts of the country. Um, or in other countries for listeners out there that don't have the same kind of rights that you and I both have in this, in this country. Right. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's that vulnerability of, Hmm, if they really knew this about me and it contradicts that, right? Because we do, we want to simplify things and put people in boxes. Yep. And really if we can, it's life is just not black and white mm. and we're, you know, people aren't black and white, right? Right. We're just not. Um, right. And and I'd like to think also, um, you know, and this might be generous, but I'd like to think that most of us come to our beliefs, whatever they may be, because of experience and story within our lives. Right. I'd like to think that that we don't come to our value system just because the world just says, oh, this is how you should be. I'd like to think that, you know, we have experiences and teachings from our childhood or whatever that help form some of these things. And I think, I mean, I think story is such a powerful way of connection. And if we're not curious about each other's stories, right, if we just knee-jerk assume and not get curious about story, um, you avoid that connection. And and that connection is harder to, to get to. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think, um, but, All I know is I'm alarmed. <laughs> well, you know, and it's interesting, and and I don't know if it's just so much of the work that I do, and and then in in both in the coaching and the swimming and just being out, is that I truly believe from what I see, and maybe it's just the way that I'm looking at, it, is that people so want to be connected, mm. but they're so not, right? Yeah. Like so, even with this Facebook thing, you can say I have no idea how many fa- friends I have, and but you can say why well, have all these friends, but. Right. You know, the other night when I wasn't feeling so good, who would I call on that list? <laughs> right. Right? Right. Yeah. I'm not going to post it on Facebook. And I went through my list of people who I would call and I called up one of my girlfriends. Right. right? So, um, I mean, that, that you know, it's that who, who are the people on your list who've earned the right to hear your story. So I do think, you know, if we could be vulnerable, if we could own our voice mm. and speak our truth, not that you must believe what I believe. Right. But here's what I believe. And, and, you know, I use the, and I don't know if this is the appropriate word, but I use the word banter. Like, um, I have a good friend who's she's a Republican, you know, very hardcore. All their license plates have GOP on it. And I, and I'm, I'm, I'm a Democrat Mm -hmm. and I love having conversations with her. Right. Cause I get to learn. I, I want to understand her perspective on things. And maybe there's, there's a perspective in there that, you know, I didn't see something. So I want right. to hear what she has to say. Where I know somebody else who's a Republican who hates talking to me. 
because I won't do what he says. Right, right, right. And I think that, I mean, that, that to me, you've just, you've hit on it like this. Um, it's that curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. Like you are curious about your friend who votes differently from you. Mm -hmm. And you're, it sounds to me like your friend is, is the same way for you. And that's probably your differences are in that way, it's fueling your friendship because you're learning from each other. You're curious about each other. Your um, your outlook on the world, I suspect, is getting broadened because of this person who's very different from you, right? Mm -hmm. I think people who are different from us broaden our, our lives and broaden our outlooks. Um, but that only works if both parties are curious, right? Mm -hmm. That only works if both parties um, are sincere in wanting to learn about each other and are respectful once they hear what they're going to, what they're going to hear. Um, I agree with you. I have certainly have friends, um, who like one of my closest friends actually is a Republican. I also tend to vote Democrat. I would call myself a liberal independent. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I love having conversations with her because, um, she things about things about, uh, the conservative outlook that I might not have agreed, agreed with after I speak with her, I can at least see the logic behind it. It's, I still may not agree with it, but I get why you would get there. Right. And I think I do the same for her as far as a liberal outlook. Right. Like she's like, she still might not agree with it, but she's like, Oh, I can see why you land at that place. And again, it's all about sharing a story. Um, but, uh, but so few people are willing to do that lately. And that's, that's what scares me. Like I, and I have to say that, that, that for this friend of mine, I really cherish our friendship because she is willing to be vulnerable with me. Um, and willing to treat my own vulnerability with, uh, with honor. I was going to say respect, but I think honor is, is really a better word. I like that. Treat the vulnerability with honor. Sure. I think that's, I, and, and it's so rare. It's such a difficult, it's, it's so hard these days. And of course I think, you know, with all the, with all the media crazy and stuff that's going on around us, we're just, you, you know, we're, we're, we just knee jerk more often, which I, I find I just, I find it really saddening. Like it, it, I actually feel true sadness when I think about it because mm -hmm. I think we're missing an opportunity to really um, connect, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I think about like my younger self and this isn't a very proudful moment right now, but when I was young, college, outside of college, probably my twenties, I was more like that gentleman that I was referring to whose name does not need to be spoken, but um, <laughs> I throw him under the bus, but uh, where I would want you to believe the way I believed, right? Because right? it was all about me. It was about validating me mm. and it wasn't about a curiosity and it was just like, there's proof. Oh, see, I am okay, right? Wow. It was that hustle That's, for worthiness. That is deep. Yeah. That's really deep, actually. And now it's it's more like, oh, isn't that in, in, in understanding that, again, life isn't black and white, right? It's a world full of color right. and, and there is no right answer. So how, how is it, what works for you? And like you said about this idea of how we're shaped is based on our experiences and our story, mm. right? So the things that are going to be really valuable to us are about our, our experiences and my friend, she has her experiences. And so I'm always just really interested. And that may shift as you were talking about being a multi-layered person, because she may have an insight to something where I would say, oh, well, that's Republican. But I'd be like, oh, but that's really important to me, that part of it, right. that aspect. Right. 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 I really value that. And so instead of it, again, being Democrat or Republican, 
right? And so staunch. It's about we are all humans, you know, and and here's some, I guess there's, you know, the Democrat and Republican, right? We, we said we weren't going to talk about politics and look at us. Yeah, well, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> coming up. We're coming up. Just, let's just preface everything by whatever you're listening, please vote your heart, whatever that heart is. That's yes. basically the point. Hey, no matter where, we respect your right to vote your heart. That's well, the whole point of this. That is the whole point. And it's about, like I was telling Karen beforehand, is the latest thing I've come up with is the Karen filters. Right. right? Yes. Or the Karen filter. So you go out there and you have these banters, you have these conversations. You may even be seeking somebody's advice who you really respect and trust. Mm. And then you go through and you process it. Okay. Does that resonate for me? Like, are they, when they're giving this advice, like the, the you know, are they giving this advice based on my experience or their experience? Right. Right. And from the perspective I'm looking at. So from my perspective, how does this work for me? And I think it's always important to run it through our filters. Yeah, yeah. So you said something a little bit earlier, like you talked about how when you were younger that you wanted people to believe what you believed as a form of validation. Um, do you think that that being able to be open to hearing other people's stories and other people's viewpoints is something that you can only get after you mature? Like, how, Like, how do you... Um, how do you get to that point where you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm hearing and listening to see what I can learn from it. And it really has nothing to do with my own worthiness. How do you get to that point? That's a really great question. I don't have like an answer. I think, I don't know if it's about maturity. I think for me, the shift was more of being from a fixed mindset to Mm -hmm. a growth mindset, like, you know, being rooted in scarcity, right? Where um, there was a right way or a wrong way. And then being like, well, there's many ways. I mean, and it's interesting because, again, multi-level, even back then, I had very liberal viewpoints. I, I thought that there were, um, uh, how would I say it? Not, like, so for instance, my dad really shocked me because um, he's now gone, but he, he grew up in San Francisco, right? Okay. So he was born in 1939, grew up in San Francisco. So think about the eras that he went through. Right. And, um, and you know, my mom was Asian. And so he, you know, he, and growing up, we had all sorts of cultures around us, right? Like my dad had, so for me, it was, the world was a giant melting pot, and especially growing up in the Bay Area, the San Francisco mm. Bay Area. Mm. And lots of international friends, you know, race and color, never an issue for me. And, um, and then, you know, I would hear stories of, from my dad about having friends that were gay, you know, when he was young, you know, right. so this was very unusual. And, right. um, but he had these friends and I thought, wow, this is, I mean, it was just this eclectic life. And I thought it was so cool. Well, then my dad one day, like we got in this argument, it's like in the eighties or something. And he said, well, you know, um, this is going to really offend some people, but you know, he was born in 1939. You guys <laughs> did the best. Yeah, he, right, right. he, he, he said that, you know, homosexuals shouldn't raise children. Wow. And I, I was like, really? And he said, well, yes. And I said, well, why is that? He goes, because they, you know, they could become gay. And I said, well, you have heterosexual. (laughs) Hang on. Let me get the laugh out there. Okay, Okay, go ahead. (laughs) You have heterosexual parents who have homosexual children. It doesn't make sense, right? Like that just didn't make sense to me. And and that was a conflict for me because here was this my dad who was this liberal thinker. And then I later find out that my dad was a Republican, which really confused me, Uh right? So again, I think we're multi- multi-layered people and probably there was some sort of programming that did slide in from my grandparents into my dad yeah 
Sure. You know, and that's just, I don't know if he really examined it or whatever, but that's what he chose to believe. And that was, you know, I mean, here we are in 2016, right? So that's still a very firm memory in my brain. And I've always been open to that. Like, I think a child to be loved, who cares what the sexuality of your parents are? Right. You know, it's funny, as you were talking, I was thinking, um, so for me, when I started thinking, I think, about the story, and what what really sort of stretched my own thoughts about thinking about what I stand for, a lot of that for me happened in law school. And I suspect that that's probably true of a lot of um, of a lot of lawyers, right? And I remember I had a professor, and I don't think like I really didn't think about politics or conservative or liberal much at all before until law school. Um, sadly, I I was in I was in my last year of law school before I became a U.S. citizen, so I couldn't vote up until then. So I really just <coughs> never really thought about it. Like I never really got into politics, or I never really got into you know. Just even the media about, you know, about, you know, social issues or anything else like that. I really just kind of was, I don't know, walking through life with my eyes half closed, I think, probably. And I had a professor who uh, was a very devout Jew. Um, She was amazing. She was one of my favorite professors that I had. And before she was a professor, she was involved in a case. And I don't want to say the name of the case because I, I will mispronounce it, but... Um, it was a case in, I believe it was Chicago, where the KKK was trying to march through a predominantly Jewish neighborhood, right? So they were going to go march through this Jewish neighborhood. And she was one of the lawyers on the case, and she was on the side of the KKK, right? Because, and her reasoning was that even though she abhorred everything the KKK stood for, she felt that the right to free expression was enough that she wa- that if if you start to dampen their right to express peaceably then you start to dampen the right of everybody to express peaceably and so it was important for her to say as long as they're peaceful right and as long as they are not hurting or threatening anybody they should have the right and i remember just sort of being horrified right as she told this story right like how could you you know how could you do this kind of thing but also sort of deeply admiring that she had this sort of conviction of what was important to her. And it was the first time that I was given this, this idea that, oh, you need to be really rooted in your own values. You really need to understand where you stand as you move into the world. And I, you know, I, she was, and it was funny because she started, she started the course by saying, she goes, first of all, I'm going to tell you, I'm the most liberal person you know. I'm, you might think you're liberal. I'm way more liberal than you, right? Like she's, she sort of started it with that and kind of let us know. And then she t- shared the story and I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's big because I don't know that I could, I could be a lawyer on the side of the KKK. I don't care what they're doing, right? Like I really, like that would be really, really abhorrent for me. Um, but wow, you know, how, what a great story of being rooted in what you on what your values are and what you hold dear mm-hmm. and standing up for those values. I, I, I was, I deeply admired her for being able to do that. Well, as you were saying that I was thinking, wow, she must have to dig deep. <laughs> yeah. I imagine. Right. Like I can't, and she was, she's a um, devout Jew, like, you know, not just culturally Jewish, but really deeply faithfully Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to do that, I just, I can't even, 
I can't even imagine. Like, I, it's, it, even now I think of it and go, I don't know that I could do that. Like, I'd be just staying the hell away from that case. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, okay, of course they have the right to protest, but I ain't going to be the one, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. going to be involved in that. Um, and, but she was able to do it. And I think that was really, uh, I, I, I really deeply admire her for being able to stay rooted in her own values and being able to, to do that. I think that's important. And frankly, I, I feel that way you know, pretty much about anybody who stays rooted in their values, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. um, you know, as long as those values aren't too hurt or discriminate against other people, I guess, mm-hmm. but, but, um, but are able to, um, to sort of stay rooted in, on the side of love, honestly, on this, you know, as long as they're leading with love and leading with um, generosity, I, you know, whether I disagree with you or not, you know, I'm there for you. Well, and with hers, Right. She, they were, she was deeply rooted in her values, but she also had boundaries. Right. Yes, it was sure. it was the ability to use your voice without violence. Right. 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 For sure. Yeah. You know, and I mean, there's, I guess, argument that would say on the other side of that case that they are inherently violent and their presence is inherently a threat. And I'm sure that's what the other side is, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. used. It was like, you know, this is not about it's not like they have a history of being peaceful. And so just they're walking through this neighborhood would have been a show of force. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, I mean, that's I would, what I would assume would have been argued on the other side, um, which, you know, and then you let the judge decide, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's the whole point. But I thought how interesting, you know? Well, and I do think like in that situation, that's where <laughs> it's such a complicated situation yeah. because she obviously has the skill set. There's certain values that are really, really important. Yep. And then there's also, you know, this this organization and what they stand for, which can violate the values and being able to compartmentalize that mm. for, in some ways, the greater good. Yeah, yeah. And we can't do that just about who we vote for, right? Like, we can't, <laughs> we can't allow each other. We, we aren't able to allow each other that sort of difference based on who we, or just say, you know, whatever, I'm gay or I'm whatever. Like if, if you are one thing, then therefore all these other things must be what you're about, right? Like mm-hmm. you must be for the, all these other things. If, and if you are conservative, then you must be for all these other things. And, and I feel like a lot of times people are very conflicted, right? Because they might self-identify as one thing, right? And people make these assumptions. Oh, you must be for all these other things at, or even their political um, representatives mm-hmm. are also self-identify, and yet they're doing things that are so counter to their own values in, in other ways. And mm-hmm. that, I think, is what's really, really difficult. Um, but, you know, whatever, you know, politicians or whatever are always going to try to figure out, okay, if you're self-identify as conservative, you, the majority of you are going to believe this, and so I'll pander to that. And if you're a liberal, the more, you know, majority of you liberals are going to believe this, and so I'm going to pander to that. And so I don't know how you sit there and, and, and reach out to individuals. But I certainly think as individuals, we can do a better job of reaching out to each other mm-hmm. with that sort of multi-layer. Mm-hmm. This brings me to um, a conversation I had with a client recently who um, had listened to an interview that I'd done a while ago with Jen Loudon. And I don't remember which one it was because she and I did a whole bunch together. But she really uh, was upset with Amazon. 
in some of their employment practices. And so we were discussing this and, and she said, I think to the point, and this was all, I'm not sharing any private conversation. Um, cause I would go against my values, but she had right. said like, she doesn't even buy her supplements or whatever she was buying on Amazon anymore because she's just, it, it goes against her values. Yep. And it was interesting cause my client wound up telling me about listening to this and she was arguing back with, my show. Right? Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, and I said, okay. And, and she, cause she, um, is the CEO of her own business. And she said, look, I am able to push through a lot of product through Amazon's platform, which then allows me to employ mm. people in my, in her office at much better wages right. versus if she didn't have that income. Right. Right. Which, and I looked at that and again, it's that multi-layered effect Yep. because there's a, there's a part of me that goes, I shouldn't, I shouldn't order from Amazon because I don't like the way that, that they treat their employees, you know, on the, um, on the ground floor. Right. right. It's very poor employment practices. I'm just not going to do it. But there's another side to that story of, you know, how this woman's company is able to benefit because she's able to use you know, I mean, Amazon is like Google, right? Right, right? I need this product. You go to Amazon and it pulls up the list and you order it. You don't even realize you're not ordering it from Amazon. It's from, from somebody else. Right, right. Because it comes in your Amazon box. You don't know, you know. So it is like Google. And so for her, it makes sense so that she can then apply her values in the company that she has. Right, right. It's so, it's so, it's so difficult and so complicated. And, and, why are we willing to see that within ourselves, that diff- that that complication and that multi-layer and not afford other people the same the same outlook, you know? I don't know. It's hard. Well, I think one is that there's there's such overwhelm, right? There's so much overwhelm or we, we just want to quickly go, okay, you're on my side, you're not on my side, right? right? <laughs> that kind of thing. But instead that realizing we're all humans, Right. You know, and we all have this desire to be connected at some level, right? There's community members, there's your neighbors on your street, maybe if your kids on a sports team or your children's school. And in when you show up, how can you be respectful or like how you, how you said it, you know, treat them with honor. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and also um, the understanding that just because I disagree with you doesn't mean that I can't show you loyalty right? Or respect or friendship. That's beautiful. To sort of understand that just because I disagree does not mean that my disagreement somehow is indicative of me finding a character flaw within you. Right. And, and I don't know how you do that. Like I, I, I don't know how you, you can, you know, you and I have both talked about friends that we are able to do that. And I guess Mm -hmm. it's that whole trust and sharing of story thing, but um, it's so difficult to find someone and go, wow, we we fundamentally disagree about things, and yet I can show you loving kindness and I can show you honor, and and it's not a struggle for me to do so. That's a really that's really really tough. I'm just thinking, you know, I'm pretty impatient with shallow conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I love, I call them courageous conversations where you can talk from your heart. Whether I mean, and it can be about politics, right? Because that can be definitely a courageous topic because people don't want to, you know, we didn't want to talk about it and here we are. But, yeah. <laughs> um, 
But I think, you know, when you can talk, have those heartfelt conversations, this is what I believe. This is what I think. Mm. And those are the conversations that I love to be a part of. I don't think, um, I think I scare people. <laughs> <'Cause>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I don't think, you know, I think, again, it's that it's that fear of being judged or criticized or if you think this, then I must therefore think it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, if I think this and you think different, I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So maybe the onus is on us. Like maybe the onus is on us to one, be curious and then be really mindful of how we speak so that it is not imparting judgment. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? On the, on, and when I say I'm not imparting judgment, judging, imparting judgment on the person, mm-hmm. not necessarily the idea. I mean, I think, I think we can judge ideas. We can certainly judge ideas as being right or wrong for us without judging the person. I can certainly look at somebody who, um, who votes differently from me or believes on social issues differently from me um, and to a certain extent go, wow, I, I fundamentally disagree with you and yet I know that you have a good heart despite disagreeing with me. And I think that's really really hard for people and I don't and, and and I'm not entirely sure why and and also to that extent to that thing also being able to know to myself and go wow I fundamentally disagree with this person to the extent that I think what they believe hurts me and so I'm going to be able I'm going to create the boundary around me that keeps me safe without lashing out at that person without trying to make that person feel worse if, if you know what I mean. Um, for me, a lot of that has to do with race, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can think of um, people that I think are generally fundamentally good people that have ideas on race that absolutely clash with mine. And so there comes a time when I have to go, you know what? Continuing to have conversations about this is not good for me. Um, knowing where this person stands on race makes me feel unsafe. And so I'm going to respectfully create some distance between us. And it's not about me assuming the very worst of this person, but knowing that I need to take care of myself in this relationship as well. That's so beautiful. You think so? I do think so. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, because that's, because I can think of things like, particularly like that. And particularly if you are, um, whatever you are, if you are of a certain religion or a certain, if you're a certain gender or whatever, um, um, a certain sexual orientation and knowing that somebody has some fundamentally um, hurtful things, thoughts about whatever you are, and knowing that you can be go, you know what, I, this I can't be around this without thinking, without lashing out, without you know being uh, hateful. You can be respectful and go, Yuki, I've got to take a step back because putting myself in the position to have to listen to this or hear this all the time. It's just not safe for me. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think it's beautiful. Like when you were speaking that, I was thinking of the serenity prayer, mm. right? Because that's exactly yep. what it is. It's not giving up. It's knowing that this is some this is somebody's viewpoint yep. and that it doesn't matter, Yeah, right? They are going to be in that. And to be around somebody that's filled with hate is costly. It's toxic. Yeah, yeah. And what I think also is interesting, like I would, I would venture to say um, that for those people who have um, but I don't know that all people who are very anti fill in the blank, right? 
are necessarily, they would say that they're motivated by hate, right? If you know what I mean. Like people who are, um, like people I know who are, let's say are anti-gay for the, you know, that I would venture to guess that most of them would use something other than hate, right? To describe their motivation for their, for why they believe the way they are. It's, you know, it's morality, whatever. They would come up with something. Now, does that mean that I'm ever going to agree with them? No. Does that mean that I want to be around that? Absolutely not. Because to me, regardless of the, um, regardless of the, the uh, rationalization that you use, the stance for me feels hateful. And so I can't be a, a part of that. But I can also get to the point where I'm like, this person isn't trying to be hostile, right? You know, I can, I can get, you know, my head around that going, they're not trying to be, their original, you know, their intention is not to be hostile, even though the effect is. And I think that's really, um, because I can feel that way about them. Like when I distance myself from somebody who is anti-gay or anti-Muslim or something like that, that in their mind might look hateful, but that's not my motivation. My motivation is I can't be around that. That's very hurtful thinking for me and I can't be a part of that, right? And so I'm going to remove myself. I'm going to disagree with you. I may even be loud about that idea of being anti-gay or anti-Muslim or anti-whatever it is or anti-black or whatever, right? I can be loud about why I think that's wrong without getting personal about you specifically. Does that make sense? I don't know, man. We're we're waiting in the mire at this point, I think. <laughs> no, it, it does it does make sense. And and I think that goes back to like um was it Don Miguel Ruiz, the four agreements, right? Mm, yeah. The second agreement is don't take anything personally, and the third one is um don't make assumptions. Right. 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 And and, and that's and I think it's particularly hard with family members, right? <laughs> right? Like when you have a family member or somebody who has like let's take your dad right when you you have a your a dad who has loved you and taken care of you and has you know provided for you the very best way he could right that has some fundamental ideas that you patently agree with you have to get to the point where you're like okay how do i reconcile this person who has been loving in my life and has these ideas that i consider to be a hateful stance like that's a really hard that's a hard thing to do to be able to go, okay, you know what? I'm going to respect my father and I'm going to respect him, but I can still fundamentally disagree and be loud about it if I need to with some of the stances he's taken. I think it's so hard with family members. Well, and I think it's so important. Like I did this with a client once. She's really struggling with her partner and trying to decide to be in this relationship or not. And the question mm. I ask is, do you love all of him? Mm. And and then I think that part's important because we just want to love the light. Mm, yes. But, you know, that's that's a part of who they are. And their dark is also a part of who they are. Yeah. And so being able to love all of them is is important in knowing, you know, because there's a part of me that can be crazy. Right. right? Sure. <laughs> I can get really angry. And my kids know that that's so like, oh, mom is being crazy right now, you know, <laughs> but they can still love me. It's just a part of who I am. We have our dark sides. Right. And, and, and I think that lets us, you know, step away from perfection. And with my dad, you know, it was a little like, and I think part of it, so when you asked about the question about maturity, but my brain being able to understand more abstract. Right. We're like now as a 43 year old woman, I can sit here and go, well, of course. I mean, 
it makes sense, you know? Yeah. And if, if I were to don't do more digging, which I would do now if we were having that conversation, I would be fascinated why he would believe that. Right. Right. When it, it contradicted so much of other things. Right. Right. And, 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 and I do believe that we get kind of programmed and maybe he hadn't, that was just kind of more his knee jerk reaction. Right. 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 And, and what I think is like for my own father, what I think is really interesting is watching my own dad, um, is I know 30 years ago, my father was far more conservative than he is now. Right. Like far more. Like, I think he, um, I don't know that he would have ever come out as anti-gay as much as he would have been like, I just don't get gay people, right? Like that kind of sort of, I don't understand it, right? That makes no sense. Whereas now I would say he is vocal about gay rights, right? Like he is, you know, like he is loud, right? About, about gay rights. And I think it took his own evolution to get to that point. And so the other thing is that I think we also need to allow each other um, fluidity um, and the and the potential for fluidity. I think we're so re- easy to just um, say, okay, this person believes this. I'm going to shut them down and and not have anything more to do with them without thinking, well, this is what they believe now. Maybe that will change. And is the is the light, as you put it, worth sticking around? you know, as they are fluid in where they stand on certain things. Um, and I think it goes both ways. I mean, there are, I think, people that are, who are certainly very liberal-minded um, that become very conservative um, because of that whole experience and story and whatever they're dealing with, right? Like, that is going to mold us. And I, w- I hope for myself that the person I am now is not the same person I am 20 years from now. I hope I like both of them, but there's no guarantee. I want to be a better version of who I am. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's what, that's the goal, right? Is that, that, um, that, I mean, I think the goal is at the end of your life, you want to like who you were at all stages, but you're also going to want to think that you grew and evolved through all stages of your life. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's true for all of us. And if that is in fact true for all of us, then we need to give room for people to do that. I think. Well, them down. Yeah, I think giving room for people and then also going back to because, and maybe this is the other part of the equation, mm-hmm. is so when somebody shares their viewpoint, right, if we immediately like, and think in this world of immediacy, right, right. Really? you can go on the computer and buy something and have it in your house in two days or apparently now yeah. on an hour, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> or if you have a question, you go to Google and you get an answer, right? right. Um, where before you'd have to like pull out an encyclopedia and do a bunch of whole bunch of work. And right. that meant you had to go to the library. Right. Um, so this idea that somebody shares their viewpoint and then we now need, must need to take that on, right? And put it on ourselves and say, okay, I'm going to wear this without going, wait a second. Before I put it on, let me think, do I like it? Yep. Is it, does it, is it, is it my style? Yep. Is the color, and I know I'm, I'm really, it sounds like I'm dumbing it down, but I really think about putting on other people's beliefs, yep. you know, yep. and for whatever it may be. And instead it's like, okay, so it's, it's going back to that, what I'd said earlier, that Corinne filter. Yeah, yeah. And I think also the idea of questioning where it comes from, right? Like I think a lot of us uh, are you know, again, dumbing it down, it's like, if it's on the internet, it's got to be true, right? 
or if <laughs> if the New York Times said it, it's got to be true, right? Like, or whatever, right? Like, there's this sort of it has to be true because I read it somewhere or it was in an article or whatever, and not going, hmm, is it is that really is that really fact? How much of what is what I'm reading is fact, and how much of it is subjective and opinion, and how much of that do I need to take on because I trust the source as being factual. Um, I trust that the way that the source has interpreted something that happened as being something that resonates deeply with me, right? Um, I think that we need to do all of that. I think we just, I, honestly, I just think we need to do more work. I think we need to be more curious about everything, about each other, about what we read, about who we vote for, about who we friend, uh, everything. We just need to get more curious about it and then, like you said, put it through that filter before we take it on. Yeah, that filter becomes really important. Um, and the other area that I was thinking of is, so we could step out of politics, but is the food, right? Uh, go on. Yes. And, and so um, a couple of weeks ago, my one of my coaches, my swim coaches had said, he's like, we should have a conversation with our team about what to eat. And I looked at him. Oh, whoa. I'm like, oh, because and, and there are there are swim teams that, you know, say this is what you need to eat nutrition wise. And and I think I was more vocal you know, probably 10 years ago than I am now. And, and I looked at him and I'm thinking, I was like, you know, food is like religion. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I said, and you can't get the scientists to agree. And then we're going to say X. I am like, I, I'm not willing to, and in that situation, I'm really not willing to put myself out there because the other side is what I teach with my clients, right? Is that you are your own best guide. Yeah. And it's about you feeling, n- noticing what works for you. Right. There's not a right answer and there's not a one standard thing. And um, so, and I think when we talk about think for yourself, it, it can go yep. into the arena of food. It can. And actually, as you say that, it also goes into the arena of beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, you know, one of the things that I talk to about, you know, sort of self-esteem and, and about claiming, the, claiming your own beauty is that if, even if you look at the media, right? Over the last, say, half century, what is beautiful has changed so rad- radically. Like, like 50 years ago, you couldn't be non-white and be beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. And or you could, at some point, you couldn't be, um, you couldn't have a mole and be beautiful. And then Cindy Crawford moves came in, right? You couldn't have a gap tooth and be beautiful. You couldn't be full figured. And now we have Ashley Graham, right, on the cover of of a Sports Illustrated. Like, you couldn't be all of these things. And if beauty is that fluid in the eyes of the people who are trying to sell us stuff, right? Coupled with the fact that we know in our own lives what beauty looks like. We can think of people who are beautiful, who are undeniably beautiful in our life that may never be on a runway, you know, then maybe we can make our own decisions about beauty. Maybe we can decide for ourselves what beautiful looks like and forget what media is telling us, what other people are telling us, what magazines are telling us, what, and understand that, you know what, different is beautiful, right? And I get to decide what that is for me and claim it in my own thing. So it's, it's on everything. You know, that's such a good point because, you know, again, I'm half Korean, right? Mm. So, and I have black hair, well, whatever, black, dark brown hair. And growing up, I thought beauty was Christy Brinkley or Cheryl Teagues. Sure. Right. And I was like, well, can't win that game because right. I'm not blonde. <laughs> right. Right. You know? Right. And the same thing. I mean, like 
black, good luck, right? Beverly Johnson finally showed up and give those of us who were black, like, oh, thank God, right? Like, there's, mm-hmm. it, there is a black woman that is entering mainstream media. And now, I mean, if you just think about, like, if you think about who in, you know, in media is beautiful, like the women that are sort of known as beauties, they're every race, they're every size, they're tall, they're short, right? They're, and I think that, and it would, were the, would those women 50 years ago not have been beautiful? Come on. Like, you know, the, of course they were beautiful, right? It's just what was being sold to us, right? What, and so given that, once you understand that, then you have to realize that your own decisions about beauty, about what to put in your body, about who to vote for, right? You're probably the expert on that, not what the media tells you, not what your Facebook friends say, not, you know, like you're probably the expert and to trust that expertise. That's so important. Yeah. Well said, Karen. On that note, I think we'll end. But before we go, yep. you were going to talk about um, a Facebook post. And oh, so actually, God. this is what I said. I'm proudly a feminist. I also love boys and men and want them to be treated fairly too. I will throw my fist in the air and loudly proclaim Black Lives Matter because it appears some people have forgotten. I also fiercely protect the brotherhood and sisterhood of all races. And I also honor those police officers who truly protect and serve for the very difficult work they do. I'm a Christian and also a liberal who will staunchly defend the human rights of my LGBT brothers and sisters and believe they fully deserve the same privileges afforded straight folks. I also honor the way my Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist brothers and sisters, and those of all other faiths practice their religion, and wholly respect those who choose not to practice their faith at all. When it comes to faith and religion, or lack thereof, you do you. I try my best to lead with love. I sometimes fail, but it's always my intent. I say all of this for this reason. It appears that both in this country and online, folks are more and more excoriated for being for one thing because the assumption is that the person must therefore be against another thing. I find myself resenting those assumptions more and more, especially when those assumptions are made by friends or politicians. I hope that as 2016 marches on, we can afford each other the opportunity to be the complex people we all are. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> thank you. I Thanks love so it. Much. Karen, thank you. That was gorgeous. I love this conversation. And I loved how you said, you do you. Do you, man. That's, <laughs> you got to do it. That's, you got to do it. You know, ultimately, it's not about there's, there's not a right way or a wrong way or a good party to be a part of or a bad party or the right food or the right type of beauty. Yeah. It's about you taking it through your filters and then you doing you. So thank you so much, Karen. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. So I want to circle back. I just love talking with her. What a beautiful person that Karen is and just so brilliant. And I love the way she sees the world. And I can learn from her because we both have different experiences and stories. And I want to go back to this. You have your own filter. Like I have my Corinne filter. So whether I'm seeking advice or I'm not seeking advice or somebody's telling me something or I'm reading it in the New York Times or I'm reading a book, it needs to go through my filters. And then I think, okay, well, what do I think? With this information, what do I think about it? And listening to yourself, trusting your voice instead of discounting yourself and having somebody else's opinion matter more than yours. Thinking for yourself is so important and it's going to take practice. And sometimes you may make a decision that leads you down a path. And I don't want to say it's the wrong decision, right? But it leads you down a path and you're like, oh, I really wish this is the decision I made instead, 
right? But then you can go, what can I learn from this? And that is a really compassionate way instead of beating ourselves up. And look, I'm not saying that I'm just this perfect, compassionate person because I'm really hard on myself. And it's been something that over the years I've practiced. And and it took me a long time because I am a slow learner. And I would have mentors or loved ones say, Corinne, you are so hard on yourself. And I probably still am to this day. I'm better than I was a year ago or definitely five years ago or 10 years ago. And because and then as I've been able to do this more, I realized that I have actually better results from being compassionate because I'm willing to own my whole story. I'm willing to look at my light and I'm willing to look at the dark. And when I'm able to do that, I don't get shut down by shame. And so with this thinking for myself, I used to be so afraid and want to have everybody else's opinion because I just thought they knew so much more than I did. And I valued them because, you know, they were just better and I wasn't there yet. So therefore I must listen to them. And it's been so fascinating to watch me now where I can ask people there for information, whatever it may be, and listen to it. And like Karen said, honor it, but not actually do it. And it doesn't mean I'm being disrespectful, but then go in and check in. Does this work for my value system? Is this line with who I am? Is this in line with my priorities? And one of the things that I've said consistently on the show for many years, I don't know if I've said it since 2006, but definitely a majority of the years of being on the show is that, you know, I have this belief that we take nuggets from other people's stories, right? So when people are giving advice or you're having conversations, what nuggets can you take and then apply them? Or what ingredients can you take from others and apply them to your own? But they must go through your own filters, And so that's why I call it the Corinne filters. I just like it. It's a short little talk in the Corinne filters, or maybe it's, you know, I'm not going to say names because people may, even if I just pulled names out of a hat, there may become a story behind it. So, but think about it, whatever your name is and your filters and have them go through your own filters and check in. And really for the most part, there's not a right or wrong answer. And when we can have a conversation and, and really be able to rumble with, what it is that we believe or what it is that we think and about a situation without it being a personal front, without it being, well, you know, I can't, a disgrace or you're rejecting me because you don't believe the same thing as I do, but really coming from that place of curiosity. And Karen has said it many times, you know, curiosity, curiosity. And I really believe that it's about being rooted in curiosity I think people have fascinating stories. I think they have fascinating journeys. Otherwise, I wouldn't be on the show for close to 500 episodes um, all these years. But there's so much out there in people's perspectives. And, And again, there's not a blueprint. There's not one way or the other. And that's pretty consistent theme throughout the all the years I've been on the air. So really about thinking for yourself. And I and. And then the other thing is allowing yourself the evolution as you change. And maybe you're going to be really, you know, this big believer of, um, well, here's an example that's a little bit less controversial than the other one I was thinking of, like Title IX. And so Title IX was incorporated or made law the year that I was born, 1972. And Title IX can create a lot of righteousness within people because they get really upset because Title IX then becomes, especially in a sport like mine in swimming, the reason that we lose so many men's swimming programs, you know, including my husband's. 
But uh, Title IX is about is not about women against men. It's about equal opportunities. And one of the things that becomes so important is that because I was um, my gender wasn't allowed to do the same things as men for years doesn't mean I want to now do that to women as being a person who has more power. And I think about that and that goes back to the post that Karen read and I will have in the show notes a, a link to it on her Facebook page so that you can have it because I think it's so beautiful how she can um, be who she is but also see other people in their strengths. You know, she can be a black woman and also be thankful for the police officers and the work that they do in protecting us, right? Instead of everybody being categorized in one area, in one sector, and remembering our, reminding ourselves that we are multi-layered people. We're complicated creatures. And that used to really bother me because I used to think it was talking out of both sides of your mouth. But what I realized is that it's going to be different situations. And the story that she said about her Jewish uh, law school professor who represented the KKK is such a beautiful story in the sense that that woman really dug deeply and really dug into her values and what she believed was right. Even though there was some clashing, it's not necessarily nice and clean. And that becomes really important when we think for ourselves, like we want to think it, let's make it simple. Let's make it black and white. Let's keep it easy. But there's going to be some struggle in there. And there's going to be some decisions to rumble with. And sometimes in this instant quick fix society that we live in, we want the answers right away. And there, there are times like I was telling Karen that there was an email that I received some months ago uh, and I had to really think about it. And I probably received it in the fall about the show and I've really been thinking about what the listener had to say and realized that, and I really got grounded in why I chose the, the situation that I chose and not in a defensive way or anything. And I really respect what the listener had to say, um, but really got clear about why I did what I did. And, um, and it's fascinating. So going back to thinking for yourself and whether it's, you know, giving yourself your own permission or, um, you know, being an emotional adult, but really thinking for yourself and you doing you because you do you best. It's that time to do a shout out to iTunes reviewers. Thank you so much for leaving me a review. I'm now on the Australian iTunes review list because finished up with the Canadians and the United States. There's no more. So go back and make sure you leave a review. Love Aussies. I have a lot of friends who are Australians. It's one of my bucket lists to go there. I've been in love with that country um, from afar since 1980 when the love boat um, went there when I was eight years old. So Enthuse, thank you so much. It's T-H-U-Z-E for leaving a review. I appreciate that. And you guys, when you send a review, put it in. If you could, send me an email. Love to hear your story and connect with you, especially when it's when I don't know like uh, your name, right? It just gives me a little bit better connection. And I encourage you to go to www.howshereallydoesit.com and join our community. We have a community of incredible people and join there as I can get to know you through the years. I really, it's a lot of fun. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. And a big shout out to my friend, Karen. Love talking with you. And we'll be back soon. Bye-bye. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so wild.